Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Everybody, welcome to 2023 and episode number 65. I hope this year is filled with lots of adventures for you, whatever that looks like. I've got some exciting plans for myself for 2023. I can't quite share them yet, but I will be sure to do so when everything becomes official. So, on to the podcast. My guest this week is perhaps one of the most powerful stories that I have shared on this podcast. My guest is Angie Peacock, and she is a military veteran who suffered a lot of trauma in her time in service. And like a lot of people struggling with different mental health issues, she sought out medical help and was prescribed psychiatric medications. And while they helped her for a while, After years of being on the drugs, Angie suspected that they were doing more harm to her than good. So she began the process of healing herself again, and a big part of her story is moving into an RV and traveling full-time. I'm going to let her tell her story, but I just want to make a little disclaimer here that this is Angie's story and her path, and we encourage you to talk to your own trusted medical professionals about your own healing journey. We are in no way suggesting that you stop taking any kind of medication, psychiatric or otherwise. So here we go. My guest today is Angela, Angie. Angie, am I going to call you Angie? Angie's good. Yeah. Angie Peacock from the Being Human RV YouTube channel. And I'm super excited to have you on today as my guest because you have such a unique story. And I thought that my listeners could really benefit from hearing about everything that you went through that led you to becoming a full-time RV traveler. So share with us as much as you want about a little bit about your backstory and how you ended up living in an RV full-time. All right. Well, I think, um, trauma drove me to the road. Let's just put it like that. They always say like, you're either running away from something or running to something. And I was running to a new life. That's kind of the reference frame of reference to think about my story. So I was in the U S army for seven years, active duty. I deployed to Iraq once I had tons of trauma, like back to back to back one thing after another life or death situations. I developed a non-combat related illness where I like everything I ate would come right out. I was emaciated. I was down to hundred pounds. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die in this country and I'm never going to see my family again. And then like the next day you're getting shot at. So mm-hmm. like as much trauma as you can have, that's what I was experiencing. Um, then when I finally, I got medically evacuated out of Iraq six months later in a really bad state. And then I had more trauma when I got back because my convoy got hit. So then I saw my soldier wounded I had to, he told me a story and that day, I, I don't remember the exact day, but it was like November 26, 2003. I feel like I made the worst decision ever and that I asked for help. And I know that's really controversial, but I saw the sign for psychiatry and I walked straight down the hallway because I, you know, that's where you go when you need help. But 
the next 13 years are a total blur. It was one medication after the next. Uh, basically, by 2006, I was on 18 medications at the same time. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, panic disorder with agoraphobia, major depression. I got a bipolar diagnosis in there somewhere, generalized anxiety disorder. You know, I had all these names and all these pills, and I never felt good. I always felt worse you know, and, and at a certain point I was like, what's the medication and what's me? I don't even know anymore. It's such a mess. Um, so there was just this little voice inside of me that was like, you know, why don't you feel good? You know, if you're taking all these meds, what is going on? Or, you know, even like these meds work for other people. Why isn't it working for you? Like you must be different, you know, um, all these things. And, and so long story short, I didn't have it like I want to come off all my meds that didn't really cross my mind. It just kind of happened that way. I was doing like a harm reduction approach, like what can I take less of or can I come off of this one and see how I do, you know, and I had the support from my doctors and stuff at the time. And then I got down to the very last drug and it totally turned on me and I just it like blew up my whole nervous system and my mind and everything. And I went through three years of pure hell coming off that drug. I was cold turkey in a hospital, which they should not ever do. Nobody should ever cold turkey a psychiatric medication, but my doctor did it. And the next three years, I basically stopped speaking. I couldn't hardly walk. I couldn't stand up to take a shower for two and a half years. Um, I, st I couldn't read. Like if I would read a sentence that had like and or or in it, my brain could not understand like how those two parts of a sentence go together like everything just it was all physical it was like feeling pure fear all the time anyway it was horrific and during that process I had a film documentary company uh contact me and say like we want to film your story of coming off meds like this is happening all over the country and nobody's really talking about it and I was like no you can't you can't watch this like I don't even think I'm gonna make it I think I'm gonna have to kill myself you know it was that bad and uh but they talked me into it, which is kind of bittersweet because it did give me a reason to stay alive through the process. Um, so then at like my three year mark, the film came out and it just so happened that I was graduating college. I don't even know how I made it through college the, the last couple of years, but um, I was graduating college. My lease was ending and they wanted me to take the movie on the road and travel. And I was like, I can't even fly in an airplane like that's not happening. <laughs> so I just I was like okay, I either do this now or I don't do it. Like everything is aligning to where I need to, I think I need to do this. However, I was still very ill. I could barely drive. I was terrified. I was full of panic, you know, and now I'm like, I have all these diagnoses, but I can't take meds because they didn't really help me. They made me worse. So like, how am I going to do this? I don't even know, <laughs> but I bought an RV. I bought my first, I bought a, I started with a class C, a Winnebago view. It was a 2015 Winnebago view. Um, like a little mini apartment and I sold 90% of my stuff. I put the last 10% in underneath my sister's stairwell in her basement. And I cried my entire drive to Tulsa from St. Louis. Like, I can't do this. What was I thinking? I made myself homeless. Like this is the worst decision I ever made. Um, and that's how I got on the road. Oh my God. What a story. What a story. So I want to ask, how are you doing now? Well, I'd say RV life, van life. I'm in a van now. It has like completely changed my life. It's like all the therapy that I should have gotten for post-traumatic stress, um, all the good experiences to rewrite all the trauma experiences, me living outside of my comfort zone, me facing all my fears, me sitting with panic and not doing anything about it. Like it has put me in a place where like you have to face all the stuff you've been running from, you know? 
but you start to little by little you get your life back and you're like oh my god this is cool and I'm having fun and I always ask myself like do you want to go home and I'm like no not yet you know (laughs) not yet it's too much fun out here so uh I'm doing pretty well. I started my own business. I coach people that are coming off psychiatric drugs if that's the choice they make for them. Um, I help people heal, help them know that they can heal from really hard things. Uh, So I work from the van during the day on and off. And then I do a little writing. I travel. I sightsee all the time. I see friends from the army that I didn't, you know, they always tell you, you need to go to therapy. It's like my therapy was I need to go see these people in person, you know, and talk to them face to face. Um, so it has been an amazing journey. I've been on the road now three years and like one month. <laughs> wow. So, uh, That's yeah, fantastic. It's, it's gone by really fast and, um, I just love it. I feel like I barely started. I barely scratched the surface. I'm just now getting into the groove where I'm actually enjoying it. Like it's fun and I love it, you know? So, so you got your master's in social work mm-hmm. And now you are working with other people who are trying to come off maybe some of the drugs that you were on. Yes. All the same ones. And I hear stories, you know, stories from like women that are middle-aged. I've been on Lexapro for 40 years. Nobody really ever said anything. I just don't feel right. I feel like I want to come off of this. They talk to their doctor, their doctor does the taper side. And then I do the coping side and healing side. And like, who are you when you don't identify that? Like I have this major mental illness and there's nothing I can do about it. And I have to take meds for the rest of my life. Like there's more to it than that. It's not so simple. Like you can, there's people like me that we can't take meds. Like it's not one or one or the other. It's not everybody should take meds or nobody should. It's like, everybody has to do what's right for them. So they, there's a huge group of people that that's their choice. They want to see what life is like without them. And I know that's a dangerous, uh, scary, controversial statement, you know, but we all, sh- we all have free will. We all should decide for ourselves. If we're not hurting anyone, what's right for my body. I want to live a healthy life. I want to feel good. I want to feel all my feelings. I don't want to run away from stuff I've been running away from. I want to know what's underneath that, you know, and unfortunately the medical system doesn't really make a whole lot of room for that because we're scared of people with mental illness or we're, you know, they're dangerous. There's all these things that go around or you need to take your meds. And that scares a lot of people, but a lot of people heal. A lot of people go on to live amazing lives without them. So I'm just here to support it. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I did take uh, the opportunity to watch the film that you were in and I learned a lot from it, not knowing a lot about the psychiatric system. Um, I definitely learned a lot and it sounds, you know, one of the things that I took away is that they're giving people drugs that are meant to be short-term for very long periods of time. Yes. And they don't know the impacts that that has on people's well-being. They just don't study them for long periods of time. Yeah. And so the the impact is is kind of unknown. But but for you, it sounds like coming off all of the drugs was the right decision for me, mm-hmm. for you, and yeah. for some people that might be the right decision. For others, that might not. Oh. Everybody is different, but I do applaud you for sharing this side of the story because I don't know if I've heard it told before. No. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's definitely scary to talk about. And I don't ever want to take away anybody's experience that their meds are helping them or they, cause I thought they were helping me. I knew that they were helping me for many years. And then at a certain point they stopped. So it's not like a one size fits all for everyone. Everybody has to come to their own, you know, what they, what's best for them and their life. And like I said, I, I didn't even think I was going to come off all of them. That never even crossed my mind. It just kind of happened that way. Um, but I'm glad I made it. 
I feel good. You know, I'm happy to be alive now. So it, yeah. it just happened, happened the way it did. Yeah. So one of the things that struck me from watching one of your YouTube videos from early on before you were heading out was you talked about being agoraphobic, which is a fear of going outside. I mean, that's how I understand it anyway. Yes. Yes. Um, and that, but then you were going to be heading off in an RV where you are basically nothing but outside. So I just would love to hear you speak a little bit about that. Oh God. It was like the worst. It was so bad. Okay. So my agoraphobia was like, I could only live in like a 20 minute radius of my house. And so that meant I could go to school and back because school felt like a safe place. And my home felt like a safe place. If I went to a grocery store, I was in and out in five minutes. I would just grab what I had to get and run out. And usually I was in a full blown panic. Um, I I have really bad like vestibular issues where I get really dizzy. You know, I have a history of brain injury. So every time I'd walk in a store, it was way too stimulating and I would just feel so bad. And so that added to the, you know, the fear part. So when I got on the road, literally, I'll never forget it. I drove from St. Louis to Tulsa and there's a highway that had no exits. It was like all toll road. And you had, I mean, long stretches, like 20 miles with no exit. And when I realized this, I'm like, there's no way out. Oh my God, what's going to happen? You know? And so I worked myself up into a huge panic when I pulled over in Tulsa and I called my friend, I was trying to get to her house. And she's like, Angie, you're five minutes down the road. And I'm like, you don't understand. I can't, I can't. She's like, just lay down and just relax and try to calm yourself and like work through it. And I was like, I can't, but then I was like, I can't turn around and go home. Like I have nowhere to go. You know? yeah. So like, here I am at this intersection of like, here's your worst fear and your worst symptom. And like, what are you going to do? You know, there's not a pill to take. There's not a doctor to go to. There's not an ER to go to. Like they're not going to, you can't even move, you know? So I just laid there and I cried it out. And I was like, this is going to take courage. Like you're going to have to, if you really want to do this, you know, if you want freedom on the other side, you're going to have to figure this out. And so my healing process was very much like, I have to study every single one of my symptoms and like really go into it and see where is it coming from? And, you know, how can I, what do I need in this moment? What else do I feel besides panic? Uh, maybe I just need to slow down and breathe a little bit, or maybe I need to call a friend, or maybe I need to cry and lock myself in the bathroom. And I just did that over and over and over and over and slowly, slowly, slowly it has eased up and I am not agoraphobic at all. Zero. Wow. I faced all of it. I still get a little like nervous over like bridges and like um, steep you know, but I think that has to do with my brain injury stuff. Not necessarily like I'm afraid, like, I think I'm going to drive to Mexico today. So I'm like, let's go, you know, I'm Woo-hoo. open to life. Like yeah. just say yes to everything on the other side of that fear is your freedom. So that's been my therapy process. I got last thing is I just got sick of all these mental health professionals telling me what to do about my symptoms. And I tried everything they told me and it didn't ever work. So it's like, I got to, I got to figure this out somehow. I don't want to live like this. I'm, I don't want to live in my house, in my apartment, wishing I was on the road. I got to go on the road and figure it out. So that's what I've done. Yeah. Wow. Uh, such a, a large amount of courage that it took for you to make the step to do this. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us who want to start out and do this, we have a lot of fears. Yes. Um, and yours, it seems like we're compounded tenfold from what a lot of people have. I want to ask you, I know there's a lot of people who, who are struggling with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to somebody who, who does have some mental health issues and is worried about, um, how those might manifest when they do hit the road? 
I would say you got to have a plan. So like everybody, how do I put this? Like everybody wants a protocol. Like, I just want this to do it. Like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it's going to work. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't. It's like you, your symptoms, your sensations in your body, your fears, your trauma is all individual. And there's a magic potion for you, but you have to figure that out. It's not for me to tell you to figure it out. You know what I mean? And, and some of it is like, you might not figure it out. Like me, I still have lingering trauma. I don't think it's ever going to go away. We're not honest about that in the mental health system, but like I can do so much therapy, but underneath it, I'm still afraid. And that's just going to be the way it is, you know? And so there's a little bit of radical acceptance in that. Like, Angie, you're always going to be afraid you've been traumatized like that. If you weren't, if you weren't reacting, then I would be worried, you know, like, I don't want to feel safe everywhere I go because then I don't protect myself from more trauma. So it's there for a reason, you know? Um, so I, I would say study your symptoms, you know, come up with a plan. Who are you going to call when you're, when you are panicking and freaking out when you're depressed? What, what's your plan for that? What things help you? What makes you feel good? You know, I even made a list at one point I wrote, these are the things I want to feel. I want to feel peaceful, calm, relaxed. I want to be in awe of awe and wonder. I want to feel those things. And then I wrote another list. What are the things that bring me these feelings? So, oh, yoga, breathing exercises, standing on the Grand Canyon, you know, make a list of them. And then I try to feed those things and try not to, you know, focus on the symptoms and all the sensations and, oh God, I need help for this. And, you know, you work yourself up. Like, these are the things I want to feel. This is the life I'm trying to create. This is who I want to be. And I just focus on that stuff. That's great advice. Now, it sounds like only from what you're saying, it's like only you can know what's best for you. But yes. would you recommend that someone get assistance with like, like a therapist or something like that to help them come up with a plan? Yeah, I think we all need like an outside source. And so I wouldn't say it's just a therapist. It could be a really good friend who's healed. So like yeah. figure out <laughs> mental health that way, you know, get get tons of opinions. And I really think my success has come from exposing myself to lots of stuff. So spirituality, exercise, nutrition and diet. And like, I've had to revamp my whole life and design a whole new person, you know? So, um, there's a, a good therapist, you know, I have to, I hate to say it like this, but there's a lot of really bad therapists out there. I've been through like 15 of them myself. And so far I have like two good ones. So it's, it's a hard, it's an interview process. Like you hire, or you fire them, you know, you got to find somebody good. Like this is your life at risk. Like you, the way I looked at it, like when I came out of that really horrific withdrawal experience was like, okay, Angie, you got 10 good years. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? So like when you're at this edge, like I can either jump and be scared and do it anyway and go live RV life. Or I can stay at home and stay the same and regret that I didn't do it, you know, or I can be really brave and just put my, like, just try, just try. I'm telling you, it's the best decision I ever made yeah. ever, ever. Don't let that fear keep you at home. Don't. All right. Thanks for that. That's amazing. So it's been three years now and you're yeah. finally just getting into the group. So that's another message for people to give it a little time. Yes. Don't just go out for one weekend and be like, oh, I hate this. Yes. It's going to, it's going to suck for like the first six months. I can almost promise you things are going to break. Your water's going to leak. Something's going to freeze. You're going to break down. You're going to run out of gas. You're going to cry. I can guarantee you you're going to cry a whole lot. You're going to miss people. You're going to question your sanity. Like you're going to go through the roller coaster of emotions. You're going to have moments of joy. 
and I told you this, moments of road magic, hashtag road magic, RV road magic. That's my hashtag. Things will show up for you that are telling you this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Don't stop. Yeah. Like, well, you just got to ride the roller coaster, you know? Well, you mentioned the RV road magic, and that was something I did want to talk to you about. Um, and I think in the course of doing this podcast, I've talked to a lot of people who talk about how things just show up when you need them. And I'd love to hear you talk about your definition of what RV road magic is and maybe give us an example or two. Yes. Okay. So it happened pretty quickly within about two weeks, I got to Dallas and I was at an RV park at that time. I was terrified of boondocking and BLM land and all that. I was like, no, just stay safe in the RV resorts. It was very expensive to live like that. And, uh, I was parked at this RV park and I was talking to my neighbor and they were so nice. And I was like, oh yeah, RV people are nice. You know, it was the first experience I had with that. And I told them, you know, I'm leaving in the morning. I'm going to go to Austin next. I'm doing a film screening in Austin. Cause when I first got on the road, I was taking the film all over these cities. And uh, the next morning I woke up and the guy had made me a lunch and hung it on my doorknob. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and it was like a ham sandwich with Hawaiian bread. It was around Thanksgiving time or Christmas time. And it was macaroni and cheese and potato salad. And he, I mean, it was like, he packed it with care. It wasn't just like a peanut butter and jelly, you know? And I just cried like the kindness of strangers. Like I couldn't learn that in a therapy office. I had to experience that like in real life, you know what I mean? To yeah. get like, this is real. People are nice. The world is not a dangerous place. Like you've been told, you know, then a week later happened again. I was sitting in my RV. I had just done a film screening in Austin and it felt so vulnerable because the film is very vulnerable. And I mean, it's showing me at my worst moment talking about like suicidal thoughts and stuff. And I had invited my neighbor who happened to be from my town, but he graduated from the same high school as me, but like 20 years early. So we were in the state park and I invited him and his wife to the film screening. They came and I just kept thinking, oh my God, they're going to think I'm mentally ill. They're not going to want to park by me. They're going to be afraid of me. You know, I had all these like really scary feelings about it. And then I was sitting in my RV at night and I was like, you know what I really want? I just feel like I need like to be mothered. Like I need some warm home baked cookies. And I shit you not. The next day, <laughs> the woman comes over with these little uh, pecan sugar cookies straight out of the oven and she walked up to my door and knocked she said I baked you some cookies and I was like oh my, what are you reading my mind like wow. what's happening and she I said I was so worried that you wouldn't like me after watching the film she's like no we like you more and she gave me these cookies and I was like oh my god I just feel so loved and so like all these little things like that will happen you know or somebody will show up and say hey nice to meet you you know they're my neighbor or something on BLM land and they'll be like I'm an engineer do you need help with anything just like random or uh, here's, you know, 10% discount on tires because I see you're by yourself, you know, or I don't know, just things like that happen all the time. I can't even explain it. And it just, I always feel like I'm being taken care of. The universe is watching out for me. I don't have to be afraid. Don't worry. Everything is going to be fine. It always just gives me that feeling. Yeah. I also think, you know, when we look for magic, magic appears, right? Yes. So true. Wow. I love it. So you've gone through three different RVs now. You're in your third, third one. Yep. What, uh, what I'd love to hear just a little bit about your decisions to change from one RV to the next. Uh, well, they say buy your third RV first, but I couldn't afford <laughs> my third RV. So that didn't happen. And I was so intimidated by my third RV that I just bought an easy one because, you know, there's different complexities. Like some are a little bit more technologically advanced and others. So I went with the class C first because I had a big dog and I thought 
let me just get a bigger RV so he can fit. But then I very quickly learned it was hard to park. I couldn't, I got really bummed out. I drove all the way to the tip of Maine and I went to Acadia National Park and they said no RVs over 20 feet up Cadillac Mountain or whatever that, is that Cadillac Mountain in Arcadia? I think one of them. Anyway, I couldn't go up the road because my RV was too big. And I was like, I just drove all the way here and I can't even go up the road. So that, that was my first, I was like, I got to get rid of, this is too hard to park. It's too hard to back up. I can hardly see. So I changed and got a uh, 19 Winnebago Travato because it was smaller. I could park in a spot. And then my camping changed again. So where I went from parking in RV parks to I want to go on BLM land and be by myself. But then the Travato felt like it was too fragile. Like I was getting, you know, wheels going to fall off if I went down a bumpy road. So then I was like, I got to get something more rugged. I need a four by four. So I got a really good deal on a 2023 Winnebago Revel. Now my payment is super high. I have a loan for the whole thing. I don't have cash like that. So it was kind of like taking a chance and maybe not a good financial decision, but I'm like, okay, well, it's the same price as rent. So like, yeah. what are you going to do? You know? So I made that jump, you know, like I said, I started my own business, so I'm affording it just fine. I don't recommend that for everybody, but um, I'd love this RV. It's like the perfect size. I can park where I want to park. If something happens, I've never felt unsafe, but if something does happen, I just jump in the driver's seat and I drive away. It's bright blue. It's so cute. And I put like a, a bejeweled license plate cover on it, you know, and I have my little Instagram thing on the side. People wave to me. They act like I'm like, they take pictures of my rig all the time. It's really weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people weird. want that rig, me being one they of them. Do. Yeah, yeah, they do. But uh, so this, yeah, this is what I'm in now. Four by four. I took a four by four class in Moab. I'm on BLM land boondocking by myself all the time. Oh, it's right. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. Yeah. Oh, that's a great piece of advice to take a court, a class on four wheel driving. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I also took RV boot camp out of the escapees RV club in Livingston, Texas. I did that the first month I got on the road it was a couple hundred bucks um, worth every penny. And then I did the four by four driving class at the Revel van rally for the Overland Expo or something. And that was like, I think it came with my registration. So it wasn't even an extra price, but I learned so much, like just learning how to put it in gear and learning what the vehicle is capable of. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I got was like, don't buy an RV that you let get away from you. Like you have to have full control over it all the time. And when you're driving something big like this, you don't want it to be too much to handle. You know, you have to know, know the vehicle very well. Uh, so I drove military vehicles, so I'm pretty used to be driving big stuff, but that class really helped. Both classes really helped. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, you talked about, you know, being a solo female out here and not really have, you know, having, wanting to have that front seat you can jump into. Yep. Has any, have you had any scary experiences out there? No, the only, let's see, I can think of two. One was I was at a gas station in Oklahoma somewhere and a guy just, I was pumping my gas, just normal. And the guy came up really close to me and I didn't like it that he was in my personal space, but he was like, Oh, what kind of RV is that? That's really cool. Can I look in there? He's like, are you, are you traveling by yourself? And I, I don't know where it came from, but inside my gut, I said, Oh no, no, my daughter's in there. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I was like, no, I'm not by myself, you know? So then he, it turned out he was just a nosy guy. He's like, I just want to look in there. You know, I was like, no, I don't feel comfortable, sir. That's my home. You know, he was just like me and my wife want to buy one. I'm just wondering what they look like. I was like, okay, well, my daughter's sleeping, you know? So I got rid of that guy. And then the only other time that I got a little upset was I was on BLM. Like this just happened like two months ago. I was in Moab and van lifers, they set up a tent 
to keep your spot when you go to town for the day or whatever. Somebody stole my tent. Oh, bummer. And it was a brand new tent. And I went to great lengths to get it at a discount and I can't buy another one. I was really upset about that, but that was another RVer that wasn't even, you know, but in cities, I don't feel as safe. Like I'm always kind of worried. Like I'll either, if I'm parked on a street, will a vehicle hit my vehicle? I could get a little paranoid about that. Um, I don't like parking at Walmart. So really I take steps to stay as safe as possible. I read all the reviews when I look for a spot. Um, you know, I keep my keys back there. I lock all the doors and keep anything out that vandals want. So you just mostly common sense, you know, don't walk out at, at, at night outside by yourself. I try not to do that. Even campground showers, like at state parks, I feel a little, you know, I follow my gut. I listen to my gut constantly. If I have a, even a tiny little bad feeling, I drive away. I don't want to question it. I don't want to talk through it. I just listen to my gut, but you know, my gut's only activated a couple of times and I just listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So yeah, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you, Angie. What's next for you? Hmm, that's a good question. I think I'm gonna go to Baja, Mexico tomorrow today or tomorrow. I don't like driving at night, so I might have to wait till tomorrow to make my entry. I'm gonna go down for Christmas and New Year's. I'm gonna be at the Escapers Bash in January up in Lake Havasu, and then after that is Schooly Palooza. Uh, year three seems to be, I want to build community. So I've been by myself a lot. So now I'm like, I want to make van life friends and RV friends and just see what's out there on the road, you know? So I've been doing a little bit of that. And then I just kind of hang out in desert Southwest for the winter. Once it's like April or May, I'll probably start moving North Utah, Colorado, uh, Wyoming, Montana. We'll see for the summer. So that's it. I just kind of, I follow my intuition. I go where the wind blows, you know, I'm just like, hmm, what kind of adventure do we want? You know, and you yeah. just go and it's, it's great. It's a great way to live. Like you can work from the road. You can sustain yourself, you know, visit friends. I don't know. That's kind of what's going on. Cool. Yeah. I did actually want to ask you how you maintain work-life balance. Cause you have so many things going on. You've got your YouTube, you do speaking engagements, you have your therapy clients. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain a balance with travel? It's hard. Well, let me make one clarification. It's coaching. I don't do therapy. Thank God. But okay. coaching, coaching. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, it all kind of, it all kind of happens the way it's supposed to, but it's definitely a lot of work. I even had a friend recently, like Angie, you work too much. You need to slow down. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm kind of missing my adventure. So I just work when I can. I, I just kind of, I'm in like that flow where things just work themselves out, you know, but I, I hired somebody to help me with my YouTube. So I'm not so overwhelmed with that. Um, cause I'm still building the RV channel a little bit. So I just kind of pace myself. I take rest when I need to, I take a hike when I need to, I, I prioritize exercise, prioritize my healthy meals. Like those things are non-negotiable. They're just not, I can't stay healthy with all the diagnoses I have unless I take care of myself. Like it just doesn't happen. So, um, it's, it's been okay though. It really has. Sweet. Awesome. Well, Angie, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. This has been a great conversation and I wish I could travel down to Baja with you. I know, Kathy, I would, it would be so fun to hang out with you and podcast from the beach. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you and safe travels and happy new year. You too. Again, I want to thank my guest, Angie, for coming on and sharing her story and being so vulnerable with us. Here are my key takeaways. Number one. It takes courage to make big changes. Number two, on the other side of fear is freedom. Number three, if you have mental health issues and you want to hit the road, it is possible. 
Just make sure that you have a plan for when you inevitably hit a rough spot. Number four, give it time. Especially if you're healing from trauma or some other thing, it will take time to get into your groove on the road. Number five, look for those moments of magic. Angie calls it RV road magic. Look for places where you can create magic for others. Number six, if you're worried about the steep learning curve to RV life, consider taking a class like those offered for new RVers. And number seven, if you're interested in learning more about Angie's journey, check out the film Medicating Normal and follow her journey at Being Human RV on Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.